This is Peak Too Early, presented by SAV Racing, featuring Mike Gendron, Trent Fontanella, and Steve Gendron. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the greatest running podcast in the world. Peak too early. I'm one of your hosts, Steve Jenner, and I'm joined by Mike Jenner, who is somewhere off the coast of Connecticut. Mike, how you doing? Steve, I woke up this morning to a weird realization, and you know, for a while after our uh, challenge, I was kind of using like, yeah, I ran 114 miles in one week. Like, of course, I'm not going to run today. I was using that excuse a lot. This morning, I woke up and I was like, man. Am I even like a runner anymore? Like, do I even is running something I do? Because I'll be honest with you, like, I don't even know if I'm injured still. I really don't because I just <laughs> running is just like it's not a, a part of my life right now. It hasn't been for almost like a month. So I woke up this morning. And I'm just like, I, I gotta figure this out because I'm I'm like a couple of days away from just maybe giving it up forever. I'm, I'm in a weird place. We'll pull it together, Mike. We have the P2E virtual uh, race coming up soon, so you gotta start training for that. And as always, at the House of Sav, we got Trent Fontanella. Trent, how you doing, bud? Boys, I am I'm doing great today, and I couldn't be further away from where Mike is at, it sounds like, because the other day I was feeling just super motivated, a little little creative, and I went in and I got myself a, a heart rate monitor. You know, one of those things that straps around the chest. And so for about a week now, I've, I've probably done it like three or four times, let's be honest. But uh, I put the heart rate monitor on and I'm, I'm following this like this guy who's giving has a formula to find your max heart rate and you're not supposed to go over that heart rate. So it's really great because I'm not allowed to run very fast. I got to keep it real slow, keep my heart rate down um, so that I don't, you know, mess up my aerobic anaerobic training. It's, it's a whole thing, but it's this wild new times for me, guys. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait. What are you training for the damn Olympics or something? Dude, we are like recreational washed up runners. What the hell do you think you're gonna gather from a heart rate monitor? What what do you what is this what are you doing? Maybe I'm training for the Olympics. When we were at uh, the time trial a few weeks ago, we had uh, Ruben Sanka as one of the uh, pacers. He had a heart rate monitor on. He's an yeah, Olympian. He's an exactly he is an Olympian, so it makes sense why he's using a heart rate runner. Heart rate monitor. You are not an Olympian. You have no business using a heart rate monitor. What are you doing? Maybe the monitor made him an Olympian. Did you ever think about that? Maybe it wasn't the other way around. No, I, I don't know, Mike. I'm just, I'm just trying some new stuff. Out. It sounded kind of exciting. This little quarantine hobby, trying something new. Uh, and and I get to kind of just have a nice, like easy runs. I feel great about it because I keep my heart rate, you know, below this like magic level that I'm not allowed to go over it for my runs. So it's it's a new time for me, boys. I, I think you guys okay. should be happy for me. God, you are one of those people who like yep. every single day yep. amazes me a little yep. bit more. And I just I don't know, like I I don't know what to say anymore. Like this is you just do things that baffle my mind just send my mind into it you know to mush i don't uh, like what what are you talking about so so trent trent did you buy the strap did you get a watch like what what's what what kind of equipment you using yeah it's a it's a strap right and then you have the watch so the strap goes right around the chest right 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 below my uh my nips up here 
uh, make sure it, it doesn't cause me any chafing out, which is huge. And then I have the watch, and then it beeps at me, right? So I, it's kind of like I have a personal coach yelling at me the whole time. It so beeps Trent, at me if I go too fast. It beeps a little slower at me if I go too slow. To Trent, my point is you know that they build these things into watches now. Like you can no. buy a, my watch has it. Really? And it's and it's very accurate. And you guys were making fun of me for having working a new GPS watch with GPS during the during the P2E showdown. You realize, well, right? You don't look nearly as cool as I do when I'm out there with my shirt off with and my heart rate monitor on. Oh, it's such a loser. God. You, Listen, look, you look like a Strava Hardo with that thing on. Yeah, that's, we that's we've been mean. trying to like get engaged with the running world for a little bit and it's been about a year we've been doing this podcast now, and I've lost touch of both of you. I can't even remember who you guys were when we started this thing. When what we used I to doing? make fun of when we used to make fun of Strava and be talking about GPS watches and heart rate monitors. What is going on on this show? What did I do? How did I get lumped into? I don't this know. You're breaking trap. down. You're breaking down your your watch over here, talking about all the Listen, the features I, and all this cool stuff and how it's better than his heart rate monitor and this and that and the other thing. Uh, whatever. I'm still very happy to make fun of Strava. I just want to make that very clear. Yeah. You lost you lost that privilege when you bought a heart rate monitor. You just wait you just wait till we do this virtual race, Mike. I'll be blowing you away. I'm on my way to the Olympics. I mean, probably. That's not saying much. Anyways, so guys, we we have some big announcements coming up at the end of this week. We're gonna do a little bit of a rebrand at the end of this week. So Friday, we're going to unveil the new P2E logo. And we're going to, this this is going to be followed by some merch, some cool stuff, but I'm really pumped about the logo. I'm kind of pumped about getting us a, a little rebrand. I mean, we have some cool artwork, you know, but we've never really had a P2E logo. So I'm excited for this. It's going to be great. I mean, I don't want to spoil anything with the logo, but what I will say is that I might be the next face of Nike. Like I might be, you know, a logo that is seen throughout the the universe as just a universal sign of, of our sport. Um, obviously, this will make a little bit more sense to to the peak tour community once you see the logo. But I'm just prefacing it by saying my life is going to change forever the second that this logo drops. So Mike might be the new Jumpman, is what you're saying. For sure, yeah. So if I had one complaint about it, it's that Oops. Mike is a little more, <laughs> you know, of a centerpiece in it than Steven and myself. And I just don't know if that's what the listeners want. And I don't know if that's going to draw people in, um, if there's any, you know, resemblance uh, more of Mike than there is of the other two hosts. So, I mean, well, I mean does anybody I mean, what really... would be what would represent peak too early more than it's, the last base it, finisher in the P2E showdown. It, right. And, and that's kind of, I was going to say, do I feel like I embody peak too early more than anybody I've ever met in my entire life. <laughs> I feel like I, if anybody should be the jump man, the centerpiece, the visual of peak too early runners, you're looking at them right here. So stay tuned for that. We're going to drop it on our Instagram on Friday, but uh, guys, we got some running news. Mike, let's kick off the news. Alrighty, our first uh, news story we're going to break down today, and guys, I got to be honest with you, 
I always feel slightly disingenuous, like breaking down these types of stories because I'm about to break down, you know, a up and coming superstar 400 meter runner. And it's like, I'm not, I'm not super qualified to talk about that, but we're going to do it anyways, because the why music. the hell not? Play the music, <laughs> yeah. Mike. Play so the music. We got, a li- we got a little ride and dirty. Hit me with the ride and dirty. So 400 meter Phenom Salwad Aid Nassar has been suspended for the upcoming year. I think it's a two-year suspension, and it's for not showing up to drug tests, right? It was, I think it was three times leading up into the world championship. She then went on to win the 400-meter world championship in 2019. I know she was like ranked like second or something like that, but she was still a big underdog and then dropped an insane time to win the thing. Then one time after the championship, she skipped a uh, drug test again. And I'm not really sure how all this works, how you can just like miss four, three leading up to a world championship and it just get come down in a suspension now. But that's what happened. Then after that, she was on an Instagram live and basically was like, yeah, I missed some tests. I missed like I only missed three, though. Like, isn't that pretty normal? Like, it's not that big of a deal to that happens all the time, which, again, I'm no, you know, genius when it comes to all this, but that doesn't sound right. And then a lot of people are throwing their reaction around. And, you know, when Michael Johnson talks about the sport of track and field, people listen. And he was very much on the side of, you know, if you miss drug tests, that's as bad as failing a drug test. You should be suspended. He went on later to double down saying, Two years is not long enough suspension. This should be a four-year suspension. If you want people to take this program seriously, then missing drug tests should be a four-year suspension. So not sure how well I did. I probably messed some stuff along the way. But what do you guys think of this story? So um, you said phenom. So she's is she 19, 20? She's very young. Very young. I think young. she's 22. She I think do, I, she's 22, so she's very young. Prep, I screwed that up. And so she, she won the world championships in 2019, like, dominant. She won it with ease, and she was—I think she's the third fastest 400-meter runner of of all time. And she's behind two women that have heavy allegations from doping in the 80s, I believe. And um, you know, all I gotta say is that there's a pretty simple way to not fail a drug test, and that's just not take it. So, um, you know, I—I I, I mean, kudos to her, right? Steve, oh, I don't know about that right now. Hard stance. <laughs> so. I got a couple takes on this. Um, the first is is, and I know Mike, you were not a you're not an expert in this sort of thing, so you can you know let let myself talk about it a little bit. But <laughs> she got in trouble for you know failing to properly notify the drug testing uh, authorities, if you will, of her whereabouts leading up to it. So I guess and this is this is based on extensive research done, you know, in the minutes leading up to this podcast. But I guess as a athlete, if you are you know, needing to be drug tested, you have to keep whoever the the people that meet be that may be that drug test you them notified of your whereabouts. And if you are not where you say you're going to be, because they can just show up and have you test at any point. And she was not where she said uh, she was going to be for uh, several tests. It sounds like now in her defense, I mean that's a like I, I personally could not handle that of having to keep somebody notified of where I am. I know I'm not, you know, trying to win an Olympic gold, you know, next year. But that's that's a big ask for a 22 year old. I mean, 
I can barely keep my life straight now. I can barely like keep my girlfriend, you know, in the know of, of when I'm going to be home, you know, next week or if I'm on a business trip across the country. I don't know how she's supposed to tell these drug testing people where she's going to be at all times. Um, on the sad side, though, this does just suck where every time you get, you know, an, an upset story like this where, or something that everybody kind of get behind young emerging superstar, it just reminds you that if something is almost too good to be true you know the story that we're all rooting for as track fans it might just be too good to be true well not to like continue on that like damper note i i just i love her just stance like just go to instagram live and just be like yeah like what's the big deal i don't understand sure i skipped the drug test i you know had whereabouts like mishaps I don't have to tell you people like so one of her that big of a deal (laughs) one of her one of her rate one of her missed drug tests was right after a race right yeah it was like so how did right before or right after the world championships how does that happen because I mean to my knowledge it's like you cross the finish line you celebrate a little bit and they take you right to the drug test like when we saw we went to go say hi to hi to our guy Morgan McDonald right after the fifth avenue mile Right. He we went to go say hi to him. He's like, sorry, guys, there's a guy standing right by me. He's like, he's got to go take me to go do a drug test. I I thought they just they literally like grabbed you and they took you right to the drug test. How do you skip that? So, so I, I think, think there's happens, both. Yeah, I think it happens like it, there's two like multiple different ways that they can drug test you. Right. Like there's some like right post race. There's some like while you're at the event. And then there's these other, I guess, like during the course of an event or, or something like that. These whereabouts type things. Yeah, yeah, they can pull you right after, right? But then they're also at any point, right? At any point in the 365 days of the year, you can have to be tested. Whoever is the local uh, drug testers for the local governing body can just pull you and give you a test. I mean, like, I, I guess my point is, so I don't understand how when you're at a race, whether it's before or after, like, yeah. I completely understand that part. But the part where it's like, you need to let them know where you're at during certain like that's kind of crazy like you said for a, a girl in her in her early 20s that's insane like it, she, it, it truly you have to build your life around these drug tests she could just be out at like you know a boy's house or something i don't know she could be yeah, like yeah. skipping class i don't know like whatever she's doing in, in her day job that needs she needs to make up little white lies to get around so uh now when you're a world-class athlete, you got to step up to the plate and and figure that out, right? And make a couple sacrifices to make sure that you're not hit with a, a four-year suspension like Michael Johnson is calling for. So, and we, I kind of hope that we are completely wrong in describing how this process works because, I mean, that's <laughs> very possible. But what I don't understand is, like, she missed, or, she, I, okay, I shouldn't say she missed. She, like, had the whereabouts thing three times leading up to the world championships then won the world championships and then a year later is being suspended how did like how does that happen if 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 whereabouts failures is that big of a deal why was she able to run and win the world championships and then was this like i guess maybe investigations and like i just I don't understand this process at all. And I suppose I could do more reading. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going off of like the quick article I read here, but it just seems to not make any sense at all. Right. I mean, very rarely do these, these ride and dirty discussions 
come around to us being on the side of the athlete. I think I might be on the side of the athlete here. <laughs> yeah, this is stupid. She didn't film nothing. <laughs> Which also makes us, you know, you brought it up, Mike, the Michael Johnson coming out strong with his tweet saying big punishment. And I was Uh-oh. looking, he, he's Trying pretty. Are you sure you want to do this? Oh, sure I'm sure you what you're about to do. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm about to go there. So we may be on the on the side of, of the athlete here, Nasser, I'm saying that, right? But are we anti-Michael Johnson? Because I might be. He's like the face of anti-doping, right? He comes out really hard against any kind of doping thing. It's a little Lance Armstrongy. I don't oh, know. Are you saying he doth protest too much? Is that what you're saying? Yes. Like that is exactly. I mean, it's way more elegant than I could have. I don't want to go down this road. I didn't. No, I'm not I going do. There. I do. There, because there are some articles from the early 2000s, mid 2000s that are like, you know, just trying to slap you across the face that there's no way he's clean, and he never got caught. But he's always, you know, just shitting on anyone that's kind of tied to it. It. it, it so when I proposed this topic, I was like, God, like. We're really going to talk about another drug thing. And are we going to talk about a 400 meter run or something like an event that we know nothing about? Part of me was almost like, I'm just going to keep this off the running news, keep it off of the slate, the slate, not put it in the show notes. But the fact that we were able to get to accusing Michael Johnson (laughs) of potentially being dirty in the sport of track and field is hilarious and i am so happy that we had this conversation tonight boys what a job we just did yeah let's move on to the next topic (laughs) all right the next topic i got and i guess i would title it if it was a you know headline it would be track is back question mark um so this past weekend ron burgundy uh, we had the Garden Clash, which was uh, the third part in, you know, kind of these like weird track events that they're doing. They did the pole vault one early on. This one was kind of like with decathlon athletes. Kind of a cool thing. I watched some of the clips. Um, it was actually kind of fun what they had done. Uh, they, I saw an article today that they're uh, doing another event in July, the Inspiration Games. It's kind of, you know, taking some of the aspects of what we got going on thursday with the impossible games and putting in another cool event so you know our cries are being heard and it's yet to be you know determined whether or not these events are successful and if they're doing it the right way but track and field is stepping up and they're hosting different kinds of events so this thursday tomorrow when you're listening to this is the impossible games and i think you know, as a, a running podcast, we need to do our due diligence and push this event. Go watch it. I'm not saying it's going to be the greatest event in the world, but we need to watch it and we need to, you know, get behind it because this is what we got right now. And our sport is trying to do something. So there's a couple of different events that they're doing, but they have like their kind of big three events. So I think we should do today is kind of get on the side, right? We always play these little games and this one will be a little less interactive, but the three big events, I think we should all take a stance, right? And who knows, maybe off off the record we can throw a little bit of money in it, make a little competition, but I think we need to be on the sides of things. So the, the ones that we're going to go with is the Inga Brinson Chariot uh, you know, 10K relay that they're doing, right? So the way they're doing it is the Inga Brinson family and Chariot and his crew are, are each running, a, it's basically like a 5 by 2 k kind of, and they're going to race each other. So that's one event. You have to choose either Team Inga Brinson or Team Chariot. The next one is uh, they're going after the 300-meter hurdle world record. So you have to choose 
yes, they will break the world record, or no, they will not. And then the final one is Mondo Duplantis, the kind of current superstar in the sport of the pole vault, is going against uh, Lavellin. Shit. Lavellinine. Listen, guys, I don't know who this guy is, and I can't say his name, but he he won the gold in 2012 in the pole vault. So it's (laughs) kind of like a guy from the past winning gold in the pole vault versus the new superstar. You got to pick one of them. Is it just two of them? The two of them, but they're doing like okay. a long distance pole vault thing. It's kind of a different take on it. So let's do it. First one, Inga Brinson versus Chariot. Trent, who do you got? I'm going to go with Team Inga Brinson. I appreciate the, the family chemistry that's coming to play there. This is kind of like a little reality TV-like, and I know they have that reality TV show. So I think, you know, that experience, you know, being on camera uh, and, and producing a reality TV show, being part of reality TV, TV show is going to come up big for them. So Team Inga Britson. There's no way. There's no way Team Chariot loses this. I'm I'm Team Chariot all day. Like I think the the brothers would kind of be a cool story, but you know you gotta you gotta bet with your your brain and not your heart. I'm going Team Chariot. Agree. You got the divas, the Inga Britsons, right? Like the you know the the fame and fortune you got going in there. Listen, Chariot's the best in the world at what he does. You don't think that his training team and his, you know, the guys he surrounds himself with are nasty, too? I'm going Team Chariot as well. All right, so now the 300-meter world record. Will it be broken? Yes or no? Trent, what do you got? First reaction was absolutely not. How do you break a world record in this? But then that made me think about my gambling past. Whenever... You know, you're you're so sure about something that's kind of 50-50. I should probably just go the other way. So I started to try to, to take on the contrarian view here, right? They haven't had had any other races to throw off their training. They can completely peak for this because who knows when the next time they have to do it. So they can go all in on this. It's the premier event. All the eyeballs are tuning in. They can get all jacked up for it. World record will be broken. Trent, you hit the nail on the head. This is This is the... This is kind of like one of the events that our sport has to latch on to for the year. In a year where we should have had the friggin' Olympics, those were taken away from us. Our track and field hopes are hanging on this 300-meter world record. It's going to happen. I'm a, I'm a yes on this one. So <clears throat> bear with me here. I agree with you. It's going to be broken, but not for that reason. It's going to be broken because a 300-meter hurdles is not a real event right it's like me and trent having the four by 1500 meter record at Stonehill. but there's no way that we can unanimously unanimously agree on anything so with that in mind i am gonna go with no the world record won't be broken and how electric is it going to be for me (laughs) rooting against a world record i mean this might be the most fun i've had in the sport ever so that's what i'm going with so i was just gonna say i was just gonna say if you if you went for the record being broken, I think we're gonna have two huma- unanimous uh, decisions here. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, who's gonna pick good against? Point. It's a good point. Go I mean, right. we can all say right now, who the hell is gonna pick against Mono Duplantis? He's like the greatest to ever do it in the prime of his career. Well, let's not get ahead of ourselves, Steve. Steve. Okay. Steve, do you understand who our co-host is here? I've already okay. I've already said that. I, I don't know what this man is capable of here, okay? So, I'm not even going to try and say their names. I'm just going to say, who are you going to pick in this uh, pole vault, long-distance pole vault challenge, Trentleton? 
Duplantis may be, you know, the big name in that event right now, but I am not going to take Duplantis. I am taking Lavillany, or however the hell you say his name, <laughs> for one reason. Here's a little insider knowledge I got, or a little fun fact I read. So Duplantis is in Louisiana right now, right? He's training in Lafayette, I think. And then he's going to have to take a flight over to Europe to participate in this game. Is that is that what's going on? I think I read something like about that. Sure. So, yeah, we'll go with that. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Why not? But he's going to have to travel across you know, the ocean. You know, he might just end up being quarantined for a little bit. You never know what you can catch on an airplane for that long. So um, if he is having to travel, that scares me off a little bit. And I heard a quote from La Villainy, or La Villainy, if he's if he's a French guy, that said <laughs> – in the event that he did the other weekend, the Garden Clash, I don't have it written down, I just wrote it down, but he said it was something about, <laughs> it had the feeling of a world championship, and that guy's going to get jacked up for this, he's all in. I like my pick. So this is like, this is like if, if you know, so you're right, he does have to travel a little bit for this, but that would be like if Muhammad Ali had to get on a plane and go in the prime of his career and go fight like the welterweight champion. It's just going to, it's not even like a fair match. Mondo Duplantis is, is going to wipe the floor with him. He's the greatest of all time in the prime of his career. I already said it. It's his no contest. See what I'm going to start this with guys is like, cheers to us because for a while I felt like we started talking, talking about these topics and like trying to be like well-educated and like we like, a little disingenuous <laughs> to us. I am so proud to see us just tonight talking about this like like we should be, right? Like the the track fans that we are mispronouncing names and just making up like <laughs> maybe what happened in like a drug incident. It's it's wonderful. But if I know anything, I know that Mondo Dupontis is a winner and he's like literally at like the age of very young. I don't know his age. <laughs> Uh, is like already like the best pole vaulter to ever walk on planet Earth. He's not gonna lose to this this old schmuck. So Mondo Duplantis is going to win. Lock it in. I just beat you guys in all three events. Put whatever money you want on it. That's it. That's the news. Thank you very much. For the love of God, can sports just come back so we can talk I about know. the events God, we care about? We're talking about we're talking about this nonsense. That being said. A guy like Mondo, Mondo Duplantis had made me has made me care about the pole vault. Like I'm somewhat True. interested in the pole vault because he's that good, right? So, anyways, guys, let's get into our interview with former NCAA national champion in the 1500 meters. I had an awesome time talking to this guy. He is right on the same wave, wavelength with all of us on the sport, what the sport should be doing. Um, and where we see the sport going. So let's talk to Mac Fleet. Dude, I don't know if you remember me. Yes. But uh, we, we, we were out late at a, in Pittsburgh at the casino. You So yeah. you taught me how to play craps. I had, I'd been to a casino. I've obviously, I'm, I'm a gambler. I, I've been to casino many times. I've always been intimidated by craps, but you you broke down that wall, and ever since I've been all about the craps table. Every time I'm oh, at a that's, casino, that's, that's perfect. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's the best game. It's the best bar game there is. Uh, yeah. 
I don't know. It's it's so it's I'm not that much of a gambler. Like five dollars and five hundred dollars to me is sort of the same thing. Uh, <laughs> like that's like the level of, of like how much I don't know. It's not like I'm like you know fists you know whiten up on money, but I don't know. But that's the only game that like lets me sort of like be a little bit freer with that stuff. So I don't I don't know. It's so fun. What I got, get. I got crew. killed that night. I got killed that night. I went I went to a casino like a week later and I was like, all right, I'm gonna get on the craps table and I ran the table. There was a hot table. I made a ton of money. So if it wasn't for that night, you being like, No, we're teaching no, you how like, to play craps, I wouldn't like cheering no one. And then the, the seats get filled up, you know, and then people are like, Hey, what's going on over here? And they can't even get in if they want to. Uh, yes. it's it, it's a blast, it's a blast. Everyone's rooting See, for each other and shit. Yeah. Right. That's what's great about craps, right? Because it's not really about like gambling or making money. You're not like at a slot machine, like like only there trying to make money. It's like you're there for the camaraderie. You're there for just like cheering each other on and going nuts and clapping, shoot a shoot a shoot a shoot a, and all that good stuff. Like that. That's what craps is fun for. It is, and everyone, you know, I love the the etiquette. Well, I mean, I guess the etiquette's on on any gambling table, or if someone's sitting at the end of like a blackjack table and they start splitting, you know, someone's playing two hands on the front end. And you got someone on the end that ends up like, you know, it's like, uh, you know, it's favoring the players. And then someone's like, oh, I want to split these eights. And then the dealer is like, oh, yeah, 21. And everyone's just like, all right, you can <laughs> you can leave the table now. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's none of that with craps, though. Craps, everybody's in it together, right? Unless you're unless you're one of those jerks playing no pass. Everybody is on one team in craps and it's great. Everyone is. I, I will have to say that who probably. So in California you can't play dice games it's they have this like weird uh version where you play with a deck of cards because uh, it's all uh, uh like indian reservation casinos yeah and yeah. they're not allowed to use dice for whatever reason i don't know why it's like a vegas rule um so it's a weird card game and i played that a little bit i guess in high school uh but i would say probably centro probably got me to the craps table that's probably where that that degenerate not not that he's a degenerate or that, it's that he's really good at poker and whatnot but that's pro- I think that's where that itch came from it was definitely him like my first couple of years of of college and then now I've passed it on to you unfortunately <laughs> well you, you I, I definitely were... had the gambling itch not the necessarily the craps itch but <laughs> yeah Matt Mac thought he was coming on a running podcast today nope he had no idea he was coming on a gambling podcast <laughs> well, I to talk about. <laughs> so Mac, uh, you know, I I, I want to start this off by I, I tuned into uh, your Instagram live um, mm-hmm. couple couple weeks ago I think on the Golden Coast channel on the yeah. Instagram page. Um, are you a retired? Would you consider yourself a retired runner? Yeah. Uh, yeah. My contract ended in January with Nike, and uh, th- there's just no like at some point you got to be somewhat honest with yourself. Like, yeah, I think I could go out there and, you know, run trials and do whatever the same thing. But I've run the same time pretty much for 10, 11 years. Right. And so, like, at some point you could be like, all right, I don't think I can, you know, even if I think things can get better, I thought things could get better for those 10 or 11 years. So contracts up, you know, that's a money thing. And I'm not like a big last hurrah like let's run 2020 you know and then we'll tie it up like everyone that does that has a sour ending with 
in their relationship with the sport. A lot of people mm-hmm. do. I, and some people it's not. It's like, oh, I give it my I give it my all. But when you're ready, you're ready. And yeah. uh, even even though it's like an, an Olympic year, that doesn't take away from. Uh, that's not very different from what I was trying to do last year, or the year before, or the year before that, or the year before that. Like getting standards, making teams, and stuff like that. Like I wasn't doing that, so why do it another year for me when I can like get my feet on the ground for the next thing I'm gonna do? But yeah, do you, I'm done. do you miss it, or is there like a sense of relief? I would say a sense of relief. I miss, um, I think I'll miss working out at the, at that higher level more than anything. I am going to maintain, this is probably as, as like bouncing off the bottom that I'll get is right now, but, uh, I got to maintain fitness to like, uh, pace my wife, Sam and like, um, you know, other people around me. So I'm not going to get like totally out of shape, stuff like that, but I would say I was so far away from what I wanted to do in my like head that I'm not missing that because I w- wasn't doing what I wanted to do. I wanted to be very, very good and I wasn't very, very good. And I was trying to be. So I don't miss that because I wasn't doing what I wanted to do. I, it sucks that I couldn't do that, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It's not like I'm missing on, out on something because I wasn't doing it. I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't making teams, right? If I was making teams and then I, I retired, I would really miss it, but I wasn't doing that. Do you think that's a unique uh, thing you have going there where like you're completely honest with yourself, but like what's going on with your career? Do you think that's, that a lot of people have that in this sport or do you think there's a lot of people out there kind of lying to themselves and, you know, hanging on to a dream that's not really there? There, there's a lot of people lying to themselves. I would say there's a lot of people lying to themselves, but that doesn't necessarily make it wrong. Like, if that's what they enjoy, that's what they enjoy. Um, everyone's in it for different reasons. Like, I was in it to be pretty competitive, and I didn't make that next step to be super competitive. Um, so that sucked for me personally, but that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to race and win stuff, and then I just couldn't put it together to do that To do that stuff. If someone just enjoys going out there and racing and, like, having that little bit of chance – and you know there's always an opportunity if you end up making like a u.s final there's like there is a chance um but then again that's for someone that wants to make a team if someone's goal is to just make trials um then that's awesome you know like there's that doesn't that's not any less important than me wanting to make teams if someone's goal is to make the olympic trials in the marathon uh and that's it that's the same thing as Centro, it's trying to win gold, you know, to that person. So I don't, I don't, I'm not like, oh, that person's lying to themselves. They shouldn't be running unless they're complaining about a bunch of stuff on social media. Then it's like, all right, you, all right, get out of here. If you're complaining about this stuff over and over and over again. Uh, but yeah, I, nothing to me is more important than the other. Um, Cause it's so person by person basis. You never know what someone's running for. Mm-hmm. It's like, Myself, you know, I wanted to be a professional um, like gambler for a while, right? I just wanted to make money, like maybe yeah. just just betting on basketball games and baseball games, like 15 a day. But I had to come to grips with that stuff with myself that it wasn't going to work for me. Um, so I've had to kind of take my competitiveness maybe elsewhere. So how are you feeling that that competitive like itch you've got going on? We all have been through a very bizarre period of our 
our lives in the last few months. And then on top of that, you know, stepping away from the professional running game. Um, what's been satisfying or what's kind of taking the place of, of the professional running for you? Um, I am going to I'm going to get into the coaching realm soon, hopefully sooner rather than later. Um, but with the coronavirus and everything, obviously, the NCAA is like doing a massive like implosion on itself because football doesn't exist. So that is tough uh, right now. Those positions are very few and far between uh, right now. Um, so, but I am going to get into that, into that, that realm. Um, I don't know where or when, but I do find myself being pretty competitive that way. Um, I wouldn't say I've done much lately. I'm like really letting myself sort of get away from running so I can go back and enjoy it again. Like as just like a, a regular ass sport. Um, I feel like I need enough time away from caring about how I feel every single day, uh, to go back and run with all my friends that just run for fun. So I'm letting myself sort of veg out <laughs> for a few months in terms of like the competitiveness, but I'm enjoying running every day. Uh, a little bit more. I'm actually running most days now, um, which is good. And then, uh, yeah, I see myself going pretty hard competitively into, into the coaching realm. Nice. Yeah. Definitely veg out. Definitely uh, take some time to, to decompress and enjoy yourself for a little bit. But when you say enjoy it as just a, a regular sport, what does that mean? Does that mean just just going for a run every once in a while? Does that mean jumping in a local 5K, you know, maybe, you know, ramping it up to a high level race? What does that mean for you? Uh, I think that depends. I have these like weird inclinations where I can see myself at like a smaller school and I end up like having to pace people. Um, I, I mean, that's, a, that's something that I could see happening. Um, and then it's like, if you get fit enough, why not just jump in with no expectations to go race? Um, the other bit of it is I have a bunch of local friends that run, I mean, um, one of my buddies, uh, Dylan Marks run with him since high school was, he ran 216 at trials was like top 40. Uh, and he's just like a local, he works nine to five. Like, you know, I have a bunch of friends that are like that, that are all like 220. I'm, I don't plan on doing that, but like, I was just going to say, you jump up to the marathon. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> but like I have a bunch of friends that I've run with my entire career since middle school, high school or whatever. Um, and they all run a lot still. So um, I don't have I, I'm not like missing a group of people to go run with. Uh, and we want to go do beta breakers and stuff like that. Um, our parents used to be in the Toads group, the Humboldt Toads. It's like this old San Diego pro group. And they would do. um have, do you guys do you guys know what centipedes are? No. No. So it's something that used to be uh, bigger in the sport. So like the local clubs, so like Santa Monica, you know, track club, uh, the Toads down here, Athletics West. I don't know if they ever did it. Uh, the Colorado group, they would try and show how deep their groups were, and like in a fun, competitive way, you're you get 13 people tied together <laughs> in a race, and usually it's like 10k's. So you're tied together. Now it's now it's sort of bullshit. And you're it's like a bungee cord at your waist. But it used to be a thing that's around your neck, and it's like a big uh, carpet drape. Yeah. Uh, and you're there's like eight feet in between eight uh, each of you, 
and you're allowed one sub. So one guy can swap in or out like during the race if someone's dying. And that's it. You can't leave the thing. So you run the entire race and like you have those 13 guys run end up running like 30 minutes or something like that. But you end up like tugging like three of the guys on the way. Uh, and then there's rules like you have to go there. You have to do like two 180 rotations at some point. Like there's stuff like that, that uh, me and my buddies are, who are all of our dads ran like post collegiately. They have all these stories and that stuff. And we're finally getting to the point of our lives or careers where we're like, that's, that's what we want to do. And there's other stuff where they go to like the Las Vegas half and it's just like a, a drinking party fest, but they do the half there. marathon in the, yeah, in the, in the thing. Um, I can try and find, um, that's, that's what I think about like enjoying, I don't know, enjoying the sport in another way. So this, this is a, this is, uh, the to- Toad's old centipede. Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, that's awesome. So there's 13 people in that. And that was actually uh, during Nick Simmons, uh, his like 800 that he had. Remember that that like road mile 800? Yep. One year he had one of those things. So we ended up running that thing. And we have like Sally Kipiego and like whoever's in it. And we weren't going to run it hard. But we ended up like in the race. And we're running pretty fast. And we ended up running with 13 people. Co-ed, I think Sheila... Was Sheila Reed was in it as well. Sam was in it. Um, Aisha may have been in it as well. So we had a bunch of women in, in, in as well as like Pat Casey, Will. Um, I think Weeding's in it. Is Weeding in there? Yeah, Weeding's in it. Um, we ended up running like 220 or something like that for like a road, <laughs> like just a road. No one warmed up or anything like that. And Sally, Sally's in the back yelling, "No, no, no." <laughs> But she's just getting tugged along. Like, Sally's, like, getting ready for a marathon or something like that. Um, and we're thinking that she's yelling, go. You know, go, go, go. And so we're like, yeah, we are going, Sally. We're, we're actually running pretty fast here. And so we finish, and Sally just starts cussing all of us out. Like, we're like, Sally, you could have gotten out of it. She's like, I wasn't getting out of it. Like, I just wanted you guys to slow down a little bit. Like, just get out of it. She's like, no, I wanted to run with you guys. But it's like, uh, 220. I think that's a world record co-ed centipede. It must be. It it's incredible. Been. I think that's incredible. That's never been run. For sure. So I would say like the two pillars of the stuff that we talk about, uh, I mean, besides gambling, <laughs> on this uh, on this podcast, <laughs> there's three pillars. Are, yeah, there's three pillars. Gambling we already talked about, but the other two are you know the badass culture of this sport and exactly what you're talking about there, this caterpillar thing. I mean that is just so old school and so badass. But the yeah. other pillar of stuff that we talk about is basically criticizing the culture of the sport and, uh, you know, their ability to grow the sport and showcase it. Right. And I know just by, you know, listening to what you say on the social medias that that's kind of something that you're you've grown passionate to as well. And yeah. um, but I got to say, I was a little disappointed um, when. We were at the marathon trials, and um, you know there was an interruption in the action. You know, the, coming down the home stretch, and right. a crucial part of the race, and you know, an announcement from the president came on. You know, the whole world was turning to you for a solution to this problem, and I I feel like you didn't really offer didn't, any kind of solution. I didn't offer the split screen uh, 
suggestion during that, did I? No, right. you, I split screen would have been good. A split well, screen, good. It's, it's almost like you should have been screaming at the top of your lungs. I know like they should have gone to a split screen. <laughs> I, did, I did have a tweet for it that was like, I do remember it was like, this possibly couldn't have gone any worse. <laughs> was was I think what I said, but in hindsight, I probably should have suggested another split screen. Uh, so no, it's obviously it's, I'm kidding, but like right. the just hilarious i think you probably said split screen somewhere along the lines of like five thousand times during the time period that was going on and like i don't know i guess can you just take this time to to talk a little about like what the hell this sport is doing and like why we can't seem to figure it the fuck out uh one there's just there's no effort from nbc or espn or whoever show like there's zero effort from like the production it's not the camera guys it's not the it's not the people, eh, it's a little bit of the people talking. Uh, but the people talking generally are just listening to their production staffs, as I understand it. It's like, here, we're, this is our storyline, A, B, C, D, E. And then no one, no one's given the, like, freedom to go beyond that. So you get to the marathon trials, which is probably the, the best and worst example of how bad uh running is on tv and you have guys that are like okay so we're at at two at two hours we're going to cut to the to the booth and we're just going to do a full screen booth for like five minutes right and then you miss you miss like the only move in the men's race and you miss a move in the win in the women's race and for some reason you're just watching four guys talk to each other yeah and Dina's in a, in the car, and you can't even hear Dina. Dina's like the only other person that probably should have been on that on the the booth, and they put her in the car with stuff that doesn't work, which is which is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, any other sporting event, and this is what I don't understand, is like NBC does all these sports. They're the, they're responsible for the production. At, at what point in any sport that they produce do you cut to the the booth? And then do they not cut away to the to the play, right? And this this is just like an example of how egregious like the error is, and they do everything underneath that. Like a football game, they cut to uh, Tony Romo and whoever. I guess they're on CBS, so I can't blame them. But they talk on screen, right, for like 30 seconds, right? You see them talking, they're like, oh, whatever. And then they cut back to the field, and then their voice is over. You know who's talking. We've seen them. And then the running stuff, it's like, oh, we, they just, we, they, they're talking. We have to show them a hundred percent of the time. I don't yeah. get. It. I, it, right. It's like, it's like they have no trust in the sport that people are going to be excited about what's happening out there. So they feel like they have to consume every second with all these stories. Like we're, like you said, we're going to cut to the booth. We're going to talk about this. We're going to tell this story. And then every once in a while, I'll cut back and we'll show them running. But instead of that, like, yeah, mix in a couple stories, but show the race and talk about what's happening. Talk about like what's happening in the race. The stories kill me. Like (laughs) they should do all the stories in the, in like a lead up 45 minutes. Like the people that really care whatever, like lead up 45 minutes, do your stories. The Jared Ward's awesome and all that stuff, but like him doing that story about how he doesn't make enough money, but yeah. So he has to teach. He makes more money than 99% of that field. So I like even the things that are down to that level, like that doesn't make sense. 
because he makes more money than anybody else. Uh, and so like you're cutting away from, they did that whole cutaway for him, the whole story, middle of the race. He wasn't even in the top pack. I don't think at the time. And, uh, and then they, they run a story that isn't necessarily like wholesome to this, to, like the context of it isn't right. Yeah. He's making almost he's making more money than almost anybody else that he's racing. There's like maybe eight guys, maybe eight guys in that field that make more money than him. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, as a, I don't know, like it, it's just it's wrong. Like everything is wrong when they can just show stuff live and talk over it, and it's exciting. And that day was so awesome. I mean, so we were down there and we set up on the course. We were at a bar where we could kind of go in and out. The race was awesome. Like there was a buzz in Atlanta that day that I've never, I've never experienced in the sport. And it's coming down to the wire. We all, everybody shuffles into the bar. The bar's packed. People are going nuts. And then all of a sudden they cut away. <laughs> they cut away from the coverage. And we got to sure. listen to, 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 to Donnie talk about coronavirus. That was at one of the most important parts of the race. It just didn't need – people said it might happen, and then it happened. And you're, you're like, what? There's yeah. just – I don't – They <laughs> I have feel you, news. man. NBC has other news – has other, like, channels. I don't – like, that I don't understand. That wasn't like a – obviously, it wasn't taken very seriously, so I don't understand why I had to take up the, you know – if it was going to be solved in one day, it's just going to disappear. I don't understand why I had to take over all the news channels. Uh, yeah, I don't. That was so wrong. I think a way to actually fix it in a productive way, right? Instead of that was like the shittiest example. That was the shittiest exhibition of running television that there possibly could be. If I was in charge of anything, I would get one of the the hockey guys, one of the NHL commentators, and I would. Put him on TV at Prefontaine. I I couldn't agree with you more. I think that is such an an awesome way to to look at it because if you're trying to to reach people who aren't already fully invested, right? The track nerds, the guys who are going to watch no matter what, bring in somebody who can understand sports fans, right? And talk to sports fans and and you know give them an entertainment point that so speak speaks to people who understand sports right and don cherry just got fired i think so bring him in yeah right <laughs> uh but so think about like I don't, I don't i don't i only really watch like playoff hockey but think about like the emotion that's in those guys's voice and those guys don't mess up names and they're it's it's names change every 20 seconds and there are near goals every like minute so that's like a rise of emotion like shots on shots on goal and stuff like that and there's there is none of that in running like there is no commentator emotion as they're as people are racing there's nothing that's like no one's ever like talking about how someone's moving around in a pack in an emotional way you know yes. when there's anxiety building in the race or even it's like always oh so and so is coming down the home stretch Oh, and they're matching them. Like it's there's no there's no there's no horse racing. Like even a horse race announcer uh, does not sound like track and field announcers do not sound like horse racing announcers. I guess that's an even closer uh, sport to it. Uh, why do you when you go watch horse racing? Why is the announcer so charged with emotion? 
and it gets everybody like, you know, sort of rising out of their seat. The announcer is part of that. Track and field, no one does that. Yep. No one, so, no one does it recently. We've been watching <laughs> some peak to early classics, right? So we've been going back, watching some of our favorite races from the 80s, the 90s. Uh, I think we watched them from the 70s. And back then, I mean, the announcers actually, it just seemed like they had the green light, right? Kind of like you said, there's nobody in their ear telling them what to do, when they're going to cut away. And it's hard to get super excited about the race when you're cutting away in human interest stories, you know, 75% of the time. But there was a time when we let the track announcers get excited about what was happening on the track or on the, on the course. So I don't know why we got away from that. No. Um, what's his name? Who was, who and I feel bad. I feel bad saying this, but um, who was the guy at ESPN that was older that just sort of left? Um, uh, Berman? No. No, no, no. <laughs> track guy. Track guy. Uh, um, Larry Rossin. Uh Larry, if you watch the old Larry videos back in the 70s and 80s, he's good. And, he, I mean, he was just, like, commentating way past what he probably should have been. So, like, but he but he was the track guy because he'd been doing it for so long. For his last, like, X amount of years, the stuff that he was saying was just wrong. Uh, right. But he did all, like, he did all the NCA stuff until, like, 2016. Um but if you go look at like the old indoor stuff with like uh, McCoglin and stuff like that, breaking the world record, he's the guy announcing all that stuff. And he's like, he's getting rowdy. It was not like that when he's, you know, he's, he was like announcing when he was like 80 years old. It's like, you, you can't, you know, it's just, can't it's, even not, see. it's not there. You know, and I yeah. love the guy and he's better than hell, but like not, it shouldn't be on TV for something that's like falling apart. Right. I mean, I, the criticisms and like the points you make towards this stuff is so it's perfect right and and i love that it's coming from an athlete's perspective and it's passionate and it's real uh i mean even like stuff like um you're kind of making a point of how for whatever reason track and field when they're doing interviews decides to like zoom in as far as they can on person's (laughs) face and i had never thought about that before but it's like you're not seeing the sponsors and it's like what what have you have you never watched a sport before like have you never seen an interview right i think i was arguing with chris chris nicholson and chris and chris is good and i'm not like bashing i mean he took i was obviously taken a little personally but uh that's not like an attack on it's just like more of an observation of like why aren't you and then the saying like oh you don't know what mix zones are like i know what mix zones are like they're not that hectic it's track and field like it's not LeBron James after you know in the in a series where there's like 45 people and even then you get a wide shot of LeBron James like uh, the, the there's a way to like help each other out a little bit there and like right. one of those things is like if an athlete can be like I do interviews every single time that logo is shown this many minutes like you know, you can add those things up for like a little bit of extra value or a little bit of extra help. And you're, you're, you're talking about like eight inches here. Like that's all it's, it's like, this is the difference is this like yeah. getting the logos in and getting someone's like gunk in their mouth. Like that's, well, I mean, you, cra- you couldn't be, you couldn't about. be speaking more of our language because the reason why we're so passionate about this and the reason that we're frustrated by it is because we think that running could be, you know, it could be a bigger sport. People could enjoy watching it. Like you said, you could take 
the excitement of horse racing, but Mm -hmm. put humans in it, put personalities in it. Like, and it just, it could be a sport that I I don't, I don't know if it'll ever be a mainstream sport, but it it should be bigger and it could be bigger. It could be horse racing. Yeah. Yeah. So here's where the problem is. If you had a, if you had a track day, a horse racing day, right? Del Mar down here, whatever, Kentucky, whatever. It's the Kentucky Derby, right? In the middle of those 10 races they have that day, they raced a, a mile, a human mile. It would kill. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. because the environment that they've made. Yeah. I don't, you know, if you put horses on a track and field day, it would not kill. No. Right. Because of the environment that's created. That, yeah. That, that's, you know, it, it, if you're understanding the, the environment, like obviously I would really enjoy one horse race in the middle of a track and field meet. Yeah. But like <laughs> a lot of people like one, it's just not, it, it wouldn't be the same. Like if you look at them the other way, it, it's not the same thing. Right. Like yeah. horse racing fans would be, they know racing and there's the announcer and there's the vibe, there's drinking, there's gambling, all that stuff's going on. They watch a, a a mile go. People would be would be screaming at that. And yeah. and it makes it, it yeah. It makes it so it simplifies the sport right because in that environment nobody cares about splits. Nobody cares about your time or PRs or personality. Like it doesn't matter. What they care about is. The, the stuff that matters in the sport, the strategy, the excitement you know, people, of the race. Yeah. The excitement of the race, people making moves, their guy coming from like all of that stuff that makes this sport amazing. That's what they would care about. And they, they don't care about the stuff that the running world and the running culture has made yeah. so important to us. That is like boring and nobody, it's not exciting. There, you'll never see a, a horse race commentator talk about a horse's form. <laughs> yeah. Never, never. Yeah. <laughs> Like there's horses that like to lead and there's horses that like to come from the back and there's horses that are good in the pack. Like, and that runners are the same exact way. Why can't you talk about the racing in such an objective way of where people are at a certain time running a certain, like running a certain pace, like the splits and stuff matter for her, for horse racing. But those people know it because it's talked about every single time. Yeah. And people sort of get it. Uh, I don't think track and field fans are educated in an exciting way to understand that, really. For sure. For sure. Well, Mac, uh, we could sit here and we could talk about gambling and why running should be a bigger sport. But we don't want to take up your whole night. But we end every interview with a quick game. So, Mike, why don't you kick off down the home stretch? Down the home stretch. Rapid fire. I, I don't need, Again, I've said this before. I don't know why I call it rapid fire questions because it's really not. We just ask questions also, that are specific really to a certain topic. Yeah. I'm long-winded, and I apologize. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's not what the game's about at all. I don't know why I say that every time. Basically, we pick a specific topic. We ask you questions. We already got off to it at the beginning. We weren't planning on doing that. It just happened organically. But we're going back to gambling. Casinos okay. and gambling is your topic. So it is what it is. That's what we're going to talk about. Trent's going to hit you with the first question. Let's do it. got to okay. say, I've, I've never felt so prepared for a down-the-home stretch. <laughs> yes, I, can, I don't need to do any preparation for this one. So, uh, Mac, black or red? Black. Mac, if you're uh, if you have a, a 16 and the dealer showing 10, what do you do? Splitting. You you don't you don't have this. So you you got you got you got you got you got a sit. Let's say you got a six and a 10. Dealer showing 10. Do you hit or you stay? A six and a 10. Oh, okay. Sorry. Um, 
Uh, I'm 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 staying. I'm safe. Staying. There. Yeah, yeah, let the dealer Ooh. bust. Let oh, the yeah. dealer bust stay, stay in the game. I couldn't agree more. So I was gonna ask you a series of like eight of those, but we'll pass on that one. Uh, <laughs> what what is your best and worst night at the casino? Best night is probably see this is where I'm a little I I don't risk a lot so my worst night's probably like 500 600 and uh, best night's like probably five six k. Better than my best like night. yeah way better than my best. Like that five six k is like I was on the table for a long time. Uh, I was on the table for probably like four hour four and a half hours five hours. Uh, if I would have been I'm telling you, if like I use Matthew because I, I, Matthew loves gambling, he loves craps and stuff like that, and he's like w- he has more money than me, he's way more willing to gamble more than than I am. If Matthew would have been on that table, I'm such a baby. If Matthew would have been on that table, Matthew would have won like two hundred thousand oh, dollars. I am so yeah. that's like I'm and I'm not fucking kidding. <laughs> like that's how good it was, and that's how little I I'm like oh. Let's hedge some of these. I'm bringing this back. I'm gonna pull a little bit of this <laughs> off the table. That's how good it was. But it, that was that was a really good night. So that's a, a lesson to listeners. Just bet a little bit more next time you're out there. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. can win two hundred thousand yeah, right. dollars. When you're on hour three and it's not going wrong, maybe just go in a little bit harder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Mac. Uh, what what is the earliest? Now I'm not asking what's the latest you've stayed out at the casino. What is the earliest you've gone to gamble at a casino? <laughs> the earliest I've gone. Uh, I don't see you guys like because of our relationship and it has revolved <laughs> around gambling. I don't gamble that much. Um, uh, what time did we go? I mean, it's got to be like a Vegas trip. Well, okay, so long. Okay, so I do know the answer. We we're checking out of the hotel at Vegas and it ended up going to the table at like 10 a.m. That's how it always happens. It's like, all yeah. right, we're leaving. Well, let's just go sit down for that's 30 it. minutes. So let's, go, let's go hit it for 30 minutes. minutes. <laughs> yeah, that's probably 10 a.m. All right, so casinos are, are starting to open back up. You get the, the videos of people wearing masks and the, the big plastic dividers. How long are you going to wait before you, you go back to a casino? Did you see that guy that had oh, the yeah. mask? Oh, yeah. No, so <laughs> Poking out of the out side. Poking yeah. out of the side. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> Legend. Uh, I have some friends I've talked about going to Vegas at some point. I'll probably wait to see like if uh, the coronavirus blows up or not. I'm not going to be one of those first waves of people there. I, For sure. People are going to be like, oh, the protests, the coronavirus, yet Vegas is like completely open and full functioning. That's If there's going to be a problem, it's going to we'll be like, okay, okay, it's a, it's a, that's a problem. <laughs> All right, so when I go to the casino with my friends, we subscribe to this theory. You know, it's kind of like running, right? Like, look good, feel good, feel good, run good. If you dress to the occasion, you know, you're you're going to have a better night. Do you believe in this theory? No. Uh, no. The first time we went to Vegas, we, we, uh, we overly dressed for something that you shouldn't have. You, either you're going out, <laughs> and I don't, I, don't go to, I don't go to Vegas to, like, go to clubs and stuff like that. I can... I can have like a, a four dollar drink here, um, not pay forty five dollars. Um, uh, no, I don't. The first time I went there, we went that, and you look. I, I think you look cheesy, man. Like you, you're not sure. making as much. Someone else on the table is making more money than you. Yeah. It makes more, has more money than you in real life, and they are dressed shittier than you. So <laughs> no, 
there's no, I don't think there's any correlation there in terms of like now if you want to go like middle of the road like look good but not like no buttons like no buttons all on right. okay I all think right. that's a good rule because uh, then it looks like you should have been out and then you just found your way ran like you wandered off and found a table when you should have been in a bar or it looks like you're like a sh- like a chauffeur should you know <laughs> like type of yeah no. I think that's a good rule. I never thought about that. No buttons on the table. I, like I love it. it. No buttons on the table. That's my new rule. I'm <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Trying to hit him with the last question. All right, we'll take it uh, outside the casino for a second here. So, yeah. um, you ever have you ever gambled on any kind of running thing, workout thing? Um, you know, back in your your heyday, you ever you know put some money down on on some sort of time trial or something like that? We, we uh, when we weren't running. Uh, at Oregon, we would sit on a 200 um, start, which I guess technically would have been illegal, and we would have like um, like ten dollars worth of quarters, and you just bet quarters on on races and like live bets and all that other stuff. Um, we would do that frequently. Whenever we weren't racing, we would go over the 200 mark, and we would that's what we would do. Um, the other stuff I do is so I sort of grew up with the Aggies, the old Aggies. Um, and it's that rowdy group that's always at U- the U.S. trials, Olympic trials, that's at the 1500 start. It's a big group of people. They're all like San Luis people, San Luis Obispo people. And um, for all of the finals, all the middle distance distance finals, everyone puts down on a dollar the winning time. And those pots end up being like hundreds of dollars. Um, and so that's super, that's super fun. Everyone sort of knows each other. You write the time, you write your name, write the time down and then someone collects it. And then winning time, who's ever closest, they get the whole pot. Um, they do that every U S final. That's a huge rowdy group. That's at the 1500 meter start. I grew up with all those guys. Um, we would do that frequently. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Well, we're coming to sit with you guys next time they get to U.S. final. So that's, yeah, that's a lot. Hey, no, seriously, that's the best group of people to do with. And, and they're all all a bunch of them are all former pros and stuff like that so they like everyone knows their their shit uh they're they're really good people that's awesome well hey thanks again man you know this was awesome you know i think you uh you have the same mindset with us when it comes to the sport and uh yeah we're wishing the best of luck in the future and retirement and on a coaching career yeah hey i appreciate it hey anytime you guys want to you know get a little word bashing not bashing anyone individually but if you need like a word on um on um i don't know how you want to say like how professional how professional runners like show themselves in like the social media or real world or you know i don't know exactly how how they hold themselves up how that you know like whatever that is uh i'm glad to come back so we will definitely reach out to you i promise you that there's a lot of little you guys know what i'm talking about yeah and you're retired now so you can let it fly (laughs) right Awesome. Awesome, guys. See you. Thanks Thanks a lot, man. All right, that interview with Mac Fleet was brought to you by Bell Lap Track and Field Gear, where your purchases go directly back to professional athletes. Support the sport you love with the help of the Bell Lap Boys. Look good, feel good, run good. I mean, we've said it all. I'm not going to sit here and give you the same preach we give you every week. We've we've said it all. These guys are the best. You got to get there. Buy their gear. Get there now. Get to their Instagram page because that's where you're going to buy 
the sick gear that goes right back to professional athletes. I mean, if you're not following Bell Lab track and field gear at this point, and you listen to us, like, what are you doing? What are you doing? What Stop, hit pause, hit pause, and go follow them. You'll be very impressed by what they're doing. So, so guys, we are going to bring back P2E Classics for this episode. And uh, we we went way back. I think this is actually the furthest back we've gone for a race so far. So we are going back to 1964, the 10K at the Olympics in Tokyo. And uh, I was inspired to kind of do this one for P2E Classics because a few months ago I actually got to meet Billy Mills, uh, who is one of the U.S. athletes. I won't spoil it for you right now. But he was one of the U.S. athletes in that race. Um, He was a big-time underdog. He was facing off against Ron Clark, who was the 10K world record holder from Australia. And in that race was also Mohamed Gamudi of Tunisia. And so those were kind of the two big favorites going into this race. A guy like Billy Mills wasn't really on the radar coming into this race. Mohamed Gamudi, I believe he was on the younger end of his career. He might actually show up in some of our later races that we review in uh, in P2E Classics. Quick story, he was in the, he was in the famous uh, Steve Prefontaine 1972 5K in the Olympics. Correct. And uh, in the movie Without Limits, I know the guy that actually played Muhammad Gamudi. So um, maybe we'll get into that a little bit when we go when we do that Olympics. But anyways, 1964 10K finals. I just want to start off by saying you can. OK, well, hey, if you want to watch it on YouTube, the video we watch is a really cool video on YouTube called. Let's see here. Just had it up. Fuck. Where did it go? <laughs> Incredible moment as underdog Billy Mills wins 10K gold. Yeah, That's so it's a really YouTube cool, video. Yep, so it's a really cool condensed five-minute video, kind of breaking down this race. But first thing I gotta say, you 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 turn on this video, you start watching it. Holy crap, where there are a lot of people in this race. I mean, why is there so many people in this I mean, race? What is there like 25 people on the starting line, maybe more? It's insane. It looks like what, a, year, what year was this? 1964. I mean, what did they just let everybody race the the you know Olympic 10K in 1964? Could I have been out there? What is this a road race? You pay 20 bucks and you show up on the starting line? Listen, I didn't even know they had track and field in 1964. <laughs> Never mind, they have this many people running track and field in 1964. Like you said, Mike, it reminded me of you know some some cross country meet, a, a road race where you just you know it's a free for all at the start. People are dashing out of the gate there. You had people like banditing the, you know, 1964 10K Olympics. <laughs> so I don't understand why they call it the finals. Were there were there prelims to get into this? I mean, it looks like everybody that qualified for this event was on that damn starting line. Can you imagine what the prelims look? I think they, even if there's no prelims, even now they still call them the finals for whatever reason. But still, it just in a, it looks like a damn cross country race. I'm gonna have a marathon to- out there. Asked my dad and my uncles if they were in this, and I just didn't see them in the camera <laughs> angle. <laughs> so a couple notes. I, I mean, I have a couple notes just kind of the, the visual on the visual side, um, just kind of early on in this race. But numbers, numbers on these athletes were outrageous. massive. They just took up their entire singlet. And there was this like there was some like low numbers and then there were really high numbers. I think I saw number 12. In number 750 or something like that. Like, what are they doing with the numbers here? That was it, that was all the people in the prelim right there. Yeah, right. <laughs> like 800 runners in the prelim. But in the past, I we we've talked about how ridiculous it is 
that up until recently, you know, these runners just all had these numbers on them. And can't you just put their names on it, right? But back then, I guess you did need numbers. There was too many athletes for, to organize them <laughs> to know who was who without the numbers. And it was cool, got like the classic look of it, like no like sponsors or like that weird like perforated like bottom like no matter whether you need a cross country like rip off at the end like even just like regular races still have that like perforated bottom for whatever reason like your drink ticket i guess or whatever but just a classic look of just a huge number no words no sponsor no nothing just a gigantic number on your chest what a ridiculous look and then going off the look there though i just want to stay on that theme why why did every team have white shorts as the uniform? Like did they not have colored running shorts back then? It seemed every country's uniform was white bottoms. I where I agree with you there Trent. The shorts were kind of ridiculous looking. It seemed like they had like um like issued shorts almost. It was almost like the Olympics was just like you need to wear these shorts. But I actually kind of love the look of the jerseys because this is before yep. not that I not that I don't like like the creative things we're trying to do with jerseys now, but this is before we were trying to get like creative with jerseys and it was just so simple, so generic, so classic, just like your country's colors and the name of the country you run for. That is it. That was the uniform and it was it is a good look, great look. I actually have written down I prefer these U.S. uniforms over the ones that they were going to use for the for the 2020 olympics i love the classic the blue red you don't do any of this like ombre making it look purple like these the u.s uniforms were awesome those are very cool and everybody had the same shorts but they did look cool too i mean it was it was that classic you know just split short but they just I don't know. I they, they're probably the same thing, right? As the ones that come out now, but they just look different. Maybe the guys just wear them different. I don't know. Maybe it is like you said, Mike. They they give them out in the free swag bag. It's like going to a road <laughs> race and everyone wears a road race T-shirt when they go for the run. Maybe they give them the shorts out there, but the shorts they they look good. Another another thing that we've screwed up along the way here that seems like it just worked better back in the day is the lap counter. That lap now did you see that thing? I mean, Huge. there's no there's no mistaking what lap you're on, right? Like, that stupid thing we got now, I feel like half the time doesn't work, or, like, you can still see, like, part of the old number. It just seems like a, like a dumb system. This thing is very simple. It's like a, uh, uh, what is that, the number thing you need to send over the old calculator, the abacus? Abacus. Yeah, it's almost like what it is. It's just like... Boom, like we have, you got 20 laps we're going to run, boom, we're just going to have 20 massive, like, things we're just going to, and one of them goes when that lap is over. It's super simple, super easy, and it's like, it seems like we've complicated it. Let's go back to the old lap counter. You took the words right out of my mouth, Mike. Those, they're, they're essentially big flags that come down, yeah. or they, they, they go up every time a lap's gone. They, they lift up one of the flags, and you see the next number. The lap counter that we use now, half the time doesn't work. Like they slide the numbers and you're running around the track and you can't see it. It's like they don't get it fixed until like the next lap. So I'm with you 100%. I love the old lap counter. And then uh, one one other thing I noticed, clay track. Clay track just looks cool. You get the spikes digging in. You get some of the clay flying up. Just looked way cooler. I've never run on a clay track or – 
I guess I've run a clay track, but not necessarily with spikes. I've never raced on one, so I don't know how it feels. I got to imagine it's a big difference in field. I got to imagine the the tracks today are significantly faster than the clay tracks. I mean, the the technology in track, I'm sure track surfacing has certainly improved, and, and it's faster. It's probably better on your body, but can we get a few throwback clay tracks out there? I mean, how fun would that be to have an invitational at an old clay track and get the clay up all over your jersey and everything like that? I mean, like you said, see, it looks cool. Um, it's different. It's kind of like, you know, tennis has the different surfaces they play yep. different majors on. It could be fun to have, you know, just mix it up and, and be that one track in the country that has some big names come in. I think people would, would get behind that. That is exactly the comparison I was going to make. How much better would this sport be? If instead of like 10,000 races a year, we just had like four major races and it was like the Australian Invitational was on a clay track. And then we had like the European Invitational was on a grass Grass. track. Like, yeah, like Wimbledon, right? Like, I mean, it'd be sick. I don't know. I feel like we just invented something. Going back to our conversation with Mac. Different racetracks, different horse racetracks have different surfaces. And that kind of goes into you you kind of make your bets based on like, you know, this this horse is, is a better uh, grass runner. This horse is a better mud runner. You know, his, his mother was a mother. His father was a mother. But <laughs> yeah, what? why, you know, I mean, baseball fields have different dimensions. Why can't tracks have, as long as it's the same distance, why can't they have different surfaces? And I, why do they got the same distance? Right, the skeptics will be like, oh, but world records and times and split. Don't give a shit. Gives away. It's, who wins the race? You step on a grass track, who wins that day? You step on a clay track, who wins that day? So just throw I mean, it out. I, I mean, you know, to bring this to bring this podcast full circle, you know, the, the going back to the, the shoe argument, it's just like, but how can I compare my times against the person that wore that didn't have the, the nitro foam or carbon plate? It's like, I don't care. I don't care. I want to see fast times. I want shoes that make me feel faster. I don't care. Why does this sport always the need? Why does this sport always feel the need to like compare themselves to the previous generations? Just we can we're doing it right now. We can go back and we can appreciate the previous generations. We can go back, watch these old races and talk about them. We're talking about a race from 1964. But why does that impact what we're doing right now? Of course, I that was completely. That was a uh, probably like, uh, I don't know a six week silence from peak too early on on track on shoes on on Nikes and shoes and uh, it was a good run, boys. It was fun while it lasted. Feels good to be back. Feels good to be back. Getting back to this race, like I said, uh, Ron Clark, Mohamed Gamudi, huge favorites. Billy Mills, the fastest time he ran to this point was over a minute slower than Ron Clark's uh, world record time. So he was he just wasn't considered somebody that had a shot to win. And even the announcer during this race said he, he talked about Billy Mills from the United States, a man no one expects to win this race. I couldn't quite put my thumb on it, but when you watch them run, you had the same reaction. He just didn't look like an elite 10K runner that was going to have the closing speed to actually finish it. Those other guys, Steve, who I, I have no idea who they are and I don't know how to say their names, but 
they looked fast, right? They looked like 10K runners. I don't know what it was about Billy or if you guys had the same reaction as I did, but you watched him out there, and you just felt good that there was an American putting himself in position, but he just he didn't look like an elite 10K runner. So to see him you know, stay with the pack there and respond to the move, it was, uh, I don't know, it just made it a little bit more exciting. Trent, he so, looked like a guy that should have gotten the gym, put on 20, 30 pounds of muscle, and been a tight end. He yeah. just was like, he looked like a big guy with a big frame that didn't belong on a 10K track. See, I, and, I, and I love, like, the way we're evaluating this with, like, just a gut feel. Like, you watch him run and, and how he races. But to kind of, like, go against that a little bit on, like, gut, on a gut feel, you know. The name Billy Mills. I mean, so you just hear a name sometimes, and it's like, Oh, that, I mean, that's an athlete, right? Like Billy Mills, like that, like that is that guy is a professional athlete. I don't know what sport he plays, but that guy is a professional athlete. I mean, if I had never watched Billy Mills run a 10K before and day in my life, I would hear that name and I would just be like, oh, yeah, no, for sure. Like he is he probably won a 10K gold medal for sure. So, I mean, there's a couple of different ways to look at it. And, you know, I, I knew as soon as I heard the name, and again, I know it's a popular track name, but as soon as I heard the name, I knew what was going to happen in this race. I knew he had no shot of losing this race. That, uh, <laughs> that is some analysis Haunting. right there. I mean, come really on. We all have those people. It's like generic name of all time. It just, it feels like a track name. Like, it That's feels fair. like a name that should be a professional athlete. Yeah. No, I hear you. I hear you. I'm not, uh, I'm not just going to give him that. I don't know. That sounds like sure. a serial. Sounds sure. like he should be the GM at like General Mills. He, I don't know. He had, oh, oh, what? Because his name is Mills Trent. Yeah, real, that's real right. original there. Good job. God. Billy Mills what? is like, just, it just feels like a sports name. I hear you. Okay. We'll, we'll go with that. We'll go with that. Let's move on. It's just true. Well, it's just true. Uh, so the race the race is going down. It's coming down. You know, it's, it's we're getting into the last laps. And I kept... I kept getting so aggravated during this race that some people who were getting lapped, like just lap, because I mean, we talked about there was 30 friggin' people in this race, just getting lapped after lap after lap. Some people, when the leaders were coming by, heading into the last 800, 400, would, would get, would move over a couple lanes and let them come through. But every once in a while, there'd be a massive pack, and these guys would have to go out into like lane three or lane four to get around them. It's like, guys, come on. Get out of the way. We got We got We got a showdown for the for the podium going. Move out of the way. And, and Steve, this wasn't like in the middle of the race. This was in the last hundred meters of the race. You have like one of the greatest races of all time unfolding in front of you. You have Billy Mills just barreling down the last hundred, and there's a pack of like seven guys just like in the way. Wait, it reminded me of like band on the field or something like that. It's like, what yeah. is going on? Like we have to start like throwing people out of the way just to like get to the finish line this is insane it reminded me of the duel in the sun that we watched where the coming down the home stretch there they're avoiding the, the police on the motorcycles that are in the way of the, the marathoners there's so all the runners out in lane one and, and lane two even and then coming into the last turn it gets a little chippy Billy gets pushed out, you know, he's, he's mess, he's elbowing with, with Ron, with Ron Clark, gets pushed out to lane three, lane four, and Muhammad Gamudi comes out of nowhere, takes the lead, and it looks like it's going to be, you know, Muhammad Gamudi, number one, uh, Ron Clark, number two for silver, and Billy Mills in a distant third. They make, they finish the turn, they got to battle through some crowds, <laughs> 
But then they're coming down the line, and with you know 60, 50 meters left, Billy Mills comes out of nowhere with an impressive kick, gets the tape with the U.S.'s first ever gold medal in the 10K. And you you, you mentioned it, Steve, but the amount of elbowing in that last lap, just like it. This is gonna sound weird, but it like warmed my heart. Like it just reminded me like people give our sport a hard time, distance running a hard time. It's like this sport can be physical, and that race is a perfect example. I mean, they were throwing each other around, throwing bows, bodying each other, and then Love. how like how more like could it possibly get more exciting than the way that Billy Mills finished that race, right? Like that kick, it wasn't like a two hundred meter kick. I mean he revved that thing into gear with, like, 40 meters to go. Like, it seemed like there was literally no more time. And out of nowhere brought it, like, three or four gears up and just blew by everybody. That race, I mean, if you're trying to get somebody excited about track and field, show them that race because it had everything. Billy seemed to just get invigorated by getting bowed in the chest as the other guys are trying to make their move. He, he, he yeah. absorbs the blow, takes him kind of a, a maybe a half a straightaway to collect himself, and then, like Mike said, just in the hyperdrive to finish it off. So, awesome race. I mean, I think a lot of, of you know, the distance running in America, especially the, the running boom into the 70s and 80s, was probably sparked by a guy like Billy Mills getting out there huge upset like i said over a minute pr to win the gold medal just kind of really set this country on track for you know to be competitive in these events so awesome race glad we did this glad we got a chance to kind of bring these this uh race from 1964 to the people and and i encourage you if you have it's just a it's a condensed video on youtube go watch it it's it's really cool especially for the very least to see how the sport used to be back in the 60s all right, guys, this is another great episode. Let's kick off the Bell app. Mike, what do you got for people on the Bell app? Yeah, so I, I just think I wanted to take a moment to touch upon the fact that, like, I know last episode we kind of came out hot with kind of talking about, you know, the state of the country and the world right now. And that's not something that we usually do. And I guess I just wanted to make a point of saying, like, just because we're done talking about it in this platform doesn't mean we're done thinking about it. But I think it's important for us at this point to get back to to what we're doing. And this platform for us now has is returning back to a distraction from the world, right? And and, and somewhere where people can go and and you know have a laugh and a good time. And I don't know what you're struggling with as you're listening to this or what you're thinking about or, or what you're feeling, but this, you know, hour to an hour and a half that you're with us, I, th- I think we got to get back to just, uh, you know, let's talk about running. Let's have a good time. Let's have fun. Let's keep growing this sport because that's really what we're all about here. So that's what that's what I want to take my bell at to talk about. Trent, what do you got for people on the bell at? Mike, that, that was a solid bell app that you just had. Um, it makes me not, you know, want to say too many jokes on mine. So I'll hold those for another time. I'll just go. Uh, I'll get my heart rate monitor. I'm gonna strap it on. <laughs> I'm gonna get a couple good, you know, really, really sub 148 heart rate runs in this week. I'm gonna make sure my watch doesn't beep at me too much, um, so that I'm in prime shape to uh, to get back to the Olympics. Guys. Like I said, we're announcing a new logo at the end of this week. We're going to be putting together a virtual race. We got some major, 
major things on the horizon. And uh, I just want to say, we are just getting started. We're taking this podcast, we're taking this peak too early brand, and we're going to take over the running world because we're kind of sick of how, you know, like we were talking with Mac, we're sick of how the, the you know, running media has been and how it kind of portrays our sport. We want to show this sport for how fun it is and how fun it can be. So get ready. We got big things on the horizon. Other than that, guys, I would have run faster, but I peaked too early. Mike, hit me with the Josie. Josie's on a vacation far away. Come around and talk it over. So many things that I want to say. You know I like my girls a little bit older. I just want to use your love tonight. Talk to no one's around when I'm in trouble. You know I do anything for you. Stay the night, we'll keep it undercover. I just wanna use your love tonight. I don't wanna lose your love. How do you think you say this name? <laughs> <laughs> hold, on. hold on, I knew it. It's uh Sawad Ayub Nasar. It'll be on brand if you screw it up. Salwad Aid Nasar. Salwad Aid Nasar. Okay. All right. So 400 meter phenom Salwid Aid. 400 meter superstar. Keep it. I don't